today as well. Let's have a wee word of prayer, and then we'll come to God's word this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that we have said and sung already in our meeting this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the blessings of God that you have allowed us to be here today. Lord, we thank you for again ever reaching into our lives and saving us. We thank you, Lord, that we have gone in in life. And Lord, we thank you for the blessing of being here in your house today. And Father, we thank you, Lord, again for just the opportunity of coming with freedom around your word. And Lord, we pray as we share just simple thoughts from your word today, that Lord, you will take these thoughts and that you will bless our hearts, that you'll encourage our hearts, that Lord, you'll challenge our hearts today as we look at the world around us and the need that we see. Bless us now, Lord, and give help, we pray, in these closing moments in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, we're turning to Matthew chapter 14, please. And the first verses speak of the death of John the Baptist. And then from verse 12, please, of the chapter. Matthew chapter 14 and commencing at verse 12. And his disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. Verse 13. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, they need not depart. Give you them to eat. And they said unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. And he said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down in the grass, and took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up the fragments that remained twelve baskets full. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. Ending there at verse 21. And we know that God will bless just his word to our hearts this morning. The miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 is the only one that's recorded for us in all of the four Gospels. All of the Lord's miracles were illustrations of his power, of his grace, of his mercy. He performed miracles in the natural realm to show us that he, what he was willing and able to do in the spiritual realm. And of course, this miracle is a parable or picture of spiritual truth. Here we see a great crowd of people in great physical need. They had seen the Lord Jesus perform many miracles. The sad thing was that many of them only wanted to see the miracles that he could do. They failed to see that he was the saviour of sinners. And that he was the son of God. Matthew reminds us in verse 21. That there were not only 5,000 men who were there. But women and children also. And they estimate that the number would have been closer to 15,000 people. Who listened to the Lord Jesus. That day on that hillside. They had walked about 9 miles around the tip of the Sea of Galilee. To meet the Lord Jesus and his disciples whenever they came ashore. And Jesus met the need of the multitude with the cooperation of the disciples that we have read together here. 
You know, as we look at our world around us today, go outside the four walls of this church, we see a people in great physical need, don't we? But we also, most importantly, see a people in great spiritual need. Multitudes of men and women and young people and boys and girls in desperate spiritual need today. Someone said, when the law of God is broken, the authority of God is questioned. And as we look around us today in our society, we see that the laws of God are broken. The laws of God mean absolutely nothing to most people today. When the law of God is broken, the authority of God is questioned. People have no thought of God. They have no time for God. They have no time for the things of God today. Sadly, people around us, like many of these people who listened to the Lord Jesus that day, are blind to the Savior of sinners. They want God when things are tough. They want God when things are difficult, for physical relief, for financial relief, but not for soul relief. We hate to mention the word COVID, don't we? We're sick of it. <laughs> Talking about COVID and listening about all those things that happened and, and losing nearly two years because of the pandemic. But at the beginning of the pandemic, whoever would have thought that our world would have shut down in a moment? Who would have thought that everything would grind to a halt practically? I remember just before the pandemic said to one of our committee in the mission, I'm exhausted. I really need a sabbatical. And he laughed at me. He said, and who's going to run the mission if you take a sabbatical? But the Lord had other plans and it was lovely for the first few weeks, wasn't it? Whenever you were locked in at home and you couldn't get out. And then things changed. <laughs> you got tired sitting around. The lady next door to us said, your car won't know what's hit it. For it's never sat as long on the drive in its life, which was true probably. But you know, people got afraid, didn't they? People were scared as they watched the news and they heard of people all over the world that were dying because of the pandemic and they shut themselves away in case that they would catch it. And I know in our own family circle that many got afraid. They were watching the online services because they were afraid. But then as things eased off and things changed, God was set to the side again and forgotten about. Sadly, for many people. Only the Lord can meet the need, but he desperately needs us to cooperate with him. And in this account of Matthew, we see just a few simple points that I want to leave with you this morning. We see, first of all, the crowd that he saw. We read in Matthew 14 the size of the crowd. It tells us here that it was a, a great multitude. As I said already, around 15,000 people who were there. We see the condition of the crowd. It was evening time. The people were tired and weary. It was a desert place. And they were hungry. The word perishing here describes the condition of these people. And, uh, and what does the word perishing mean? And I often use this illustration when I'm preaching, especially the gospel, or you're preaching in John 3.16, where it reminds us, Therefore God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Perish means not to serve the purpose for which it was created. You know, you know folks looking at me, I like bread. And I like the bakery. <laughs> and in the bakery in Safefield, the folk will go in during the night and they'll get all the ingredients out and they'll get it all mixed together, won't they? And they'll, they'll, they'll get it all cooked, baked. 
They'll bring it out and cool it and they'll, they'll have it in the shop shelves for you coming in in the morning to buy it. And you'll go out and you'll buy your loaf of bread, say in the bakery here in Saintfield, and you'll take it home and you'll put it in your cupboard or your bread bin for six months, won't you? And then you go to take it out and there's a wee beard on it or maybe a very big beard on it. It doesn't serve the purpose for which it was created. The catechism that I learned as a little boy said that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so to perish means not to serve the purpose for which it was created. And here we see a picture here of men and women needing the bread of life. A picture of humanity without God. Jesus said in John 6 verse 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Many people around us today are spiritually hungry, looking for something to satisfy their souls. And they will try anything and everything to get satisfaction, but it fails. The drink will fail, and the drugs will fail, and the, their, their, their money will fail. All of these things will fail. Jesus is the only one who can give lasting satisfaction. He's the only way. He is all that we need and he is all that they need today. Richard Haldane once said, no man or woman can be a true believer if they're unconcerned for the salvation of souls. Do we see the multitudes around us today? People who are lost in sin and need a savior. As we look at the town of Saintfield alone today, Hundreds of houses, hundreds of people that don't know Christ. Are we concerned? Someone said, when we as believers catch the vision and go out into a world in need, then souls will be saved. Many are just waiting for someone to tell them. A few years ago, we couldn't go, and I maybe mentioned this the last time I was here, we couldn't go to... to um, Lanzarote like we normally do in the summer we couldn't go abroad because of the pandemic and we decided to do outreach in other towns that maybe we wouldn't normally go to so we went to Drummondes we went to Warren Point we went to Castle Rock a certain part of Korean we went to um, other places that have just got out of my head now because I'm getting old and forgetful uh, and you know we went to these places because we knew that not often people reached out in them in Warren Point, we went to two huge housing developments, housing estates. And, you know, in talking to some of the folk in that housing estate, there was one lady, and she said, are you Christians? We said, yes, we are. She said, well, I'm glad to hear that because I got saved last year, but I don't know where to go to. And as I looked around that estate, and we talked to some of the people and heard some of the needs of those estates, one lady said to us, I've lived in this house for 34 years and an evangelical has never knocked my door once. I've had Jehovah Witnesses, I've had Mormons, I've had others come, but an evangelical has never knocked my door and told me what you've told me today. That broke my heart. The need out there. I remember doing a mission outside um, Ballycastle, away in Faith Mission Days, over 30 years ago. And a lady came out to the door and she said, Oh, I'm a Jehovah Witness. It's wrong, isn't it? <laughs> well, that was great. We had opportunity of getting into the house and taking out the word of God and sharing the gospel with her. And her husband and her daughter came to the mission and they got saved. And she got saved. 
and they started to go to a brethren assembly up there it was amazing just to see God working in her life of someone who was searching behind the door and behind the doors in St. Field there are people who are searching searching to hear the truth searching for the truth but who will go the Jehovah Witnesses will go they'll knock on our doors the Mormons will come around the doors and so often we neglect to go and reach those who are lost someone once said in a day when false sects such as the Jehovah Witnesses are thriving because their workers, false workers false witnesses dare to take the message directly to the doorstep the church of Christ needs desperately to regain urgency compulsion vision to go or we fight a losing battle for the minds and hearts of men and women folks what's our vision today what's our vision as a church today what's our vision as individuals today what's our vision because without a vision the people perish that's something the Lord has been really challenging my heart about over the last while what's my vision as an individual what's my vision for a mission what's our vision if we have no vision we might as well close the doors and go home over five million people in Ireland Barry Henry um, one of our workers in Portugal is originally from Limerick and Barry was sharing how that in the summertime he was down home and he said the need in the Republic of Ireland less than one percent of the population are evangelical in the Republic of Ireland he said it's the least evangelized um, country in all of Europe the Republic of Ireland just a few miles down the A1 people that need Christ that need the Lord in Portugal 11 million not point not four percent are evangelical Brazil 213 and a half million many that have still not heard the gospel on their need of a saviour the crowd that Jesus saw we see secondly and quickly not only the crowd that he saw but the compassion that Jesus felt in verses 14 and 16 this is brought before us isn't it the disciples wanted to send the multitude away but Jesus said they need not depart you see the disciples felt powerless in the situation they felt powerless and because they had no real concern for the people they thought that nothing could be done to resolve the problem it was evening it was a, a desolate place it's like so many today isn't it it's not the right time it's not the right place to reach out to people so often we make excuses and how guilty we are in our attitude towards the spiritual condition of the lost instead of looking to the Lord Jesus and saying you're the one who to whom nothing is impossible or no one is impossible you changed the water into wine you healed a man who was sick for 38 years surely you can feed the people as they saw him do so many miracles but the disciples had no real concern we were speaking to some missionaries a while ago and we were talking about in our churches here in Northern Ireland that the ladies do a thing called Fit for Life now I don't know whether you've done it in St. Field or not but I've been speaking at a few of them now look at me <laughs> I'm certainly not fit <laughs> but anyway um, 
opportunities to do this. And we were suggesting to them about different, different types of outreach they could do with their church, that they could maybe reach out in some way. And, well, we said about Fit for Life. And we talked about what it entailed and all the rest of it. And this missionary turned around to us and said, there's no fat people in our church. And I said, well, that's really not what it's about. Whether you're fat or not, it's getting fit. Um, and reaching out to them and getting the gospel to them. And so often we can make excuses, can't we? So often. A pastor friend of ours, recently we were chatting together, and he said this, he said, we sit in our beautiful churches expecting sinners just to drop in. It's like a policeman sitting in the police station waiting for the criminals just to drop in. So true, isn't it? What breaks the heart of God more? A world that will not come or a people that will not go. Jesus was moved with compassion in these people. Compassion means to have one's inner being stirred. It's stronger than just having sympathy for them. It means to have a broken heart. Didn't he weep over Jerusalem? Would I not have gathered you as a hen doth gather with her chicks? But he would not. And this word for compassion here is used 12 times in the New Testament. And eight of those times, it's in reference to the Lord Jesus. So often we send perishing souls away, empty and unsatisfied, simply because we're so preoccupied with other things. Sadly, in our churches so often, we're preoccupied with so many other things that we don't have a vision for the lost around us. May God forgive us. I've been working with some churches in the past. Working alongside them in the past. I remember being in one church in particular and there was a row going on in it. And in the prayer meetings they were praying against each other. And I wasn't the pastor of the church and I didn't have the authority to stand up and say that's enough. Another church that I was in they were fighting over where the flowers would sit in the front of the church. And there was a row about that. And nearly solicitor's letters going on about it. Because the flowers weren't sitting in a place that the person wanted them to sit. And I thought, Lord, forgive us. We're so caught up in all this trivial nonsense. And we're forgetting their souls out around us. Who are on their way to a crisis eternity. Oh, that God would create a greater compassion within our souls within our lives for the souls of men and women. Amy Carmichael, that young woman from Belfast, who was born a hundred years before I was born. I was born in 1967. She was born in 1867. God gave her a heart and a broken heart, didn't he? For those shawlies, the middle girls in Belfast. And even though many people didn't agree with what Amy Carmichael was doing, Amy Carmichael's burden and her concern and her vision for the lost and her broken heart for those girls inspired her and enthused her to go on. And of course, the Welcome Hall is still even open today because of the vision that Amy Carmichael had. And in my desk, in my office, I have the little phrase that she often used, oh, for a passionate passion for souls. Oh, for a pity that yearns. Oh, for a love that loves unto death. Oh, for a fire that burns. Oh, for the pure prayer power that reveals, that pours itself out to the lost. 
victorious prayer in the conqueror's name. Oh, for a Pentecost. Folks, is that what we long for today? In our lives as individuals, in our church in St. Fields, are we longing for God to move really in these last days? That souls will be saved. Amy Carmichael talked about the Christians sitting making daisy chains, didn't she? Sitting in little circles on the top of the cliff making daisy chains while people were falling over the cliff to their deaths. And so often we're guilty of that, aren't we? That we're preoccupied with trivial things and we're not seeing a world that is lost around us. The Lord Jesus had compassion the crowd that he saw, the compassion that he felt. We also see the command that Jesus gave here quickly. We see that in verse 16. He said, give them to eat. You see, they needed the bread of life. This is why the church is here. This is why evangelism is here. And so often, as I said already, we're slow to obeying the Lord's command. Maybe it's because we look like the disciples at our own inadequacy. Maybe we look at our poor resources. Instead of looking to his power and his sufficiency. Because God has unlimited resources today. We look at our five loaves and our two fish. Like Jeremiah we say, Behold I cannot speak for I am a child. But the Lord says, Be not afraid of their faces. I am with thee to deliver thee. Behold I have put my words in your mouth. We feel to remember that God's commands are God's enablings. That God commands every one of us, if we're saved today, to go into all the world and to present the gospel. And he says, I know I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. God promises to his children, doesn't he? If we sow in tears, we will reap in joy. If we go forth bearing precious seed, that we will doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing our sheaves with him. That he will enable us for the work. That he will do the work through us. And that's exactly what happened here, isn't it? You know, sowing isn't easy. It's not easy to reach out to family. It's not easy to reach out to neighbours. It's not easy. It can be a very hard work preparing the ground. Breaking up the ground. Tilling the ground. Sowing the seed. It can be a very difficult work. I said earlier on about James and Dory Gunning. That wonderful, wonderful couple. James and Dory, as they went to the northeast of Brazil. Went into a place that was very highly persecuted. But they sowed the seed all those years ago, over 40 years ago. They sowed the seed. And today we're still reaping the harvest of the seeds that James and Dory sowed there. The command that he gave, we see quickly because time is gone. The cooperation that Jesus needed. Jesus performed the miracle. He supplied the food. But he needed the help of the disciples. He could have done it on his own, couldn't he? But he wanted to use the disciples to distribute out the food. He wants to use us today as his disciples to serve him, to live for him. There's a wee song that Karen and I sometimes sing and it says, Just a tool in your hand is all I long to be. Just a part of your plan, seeing captive souls set free. Just a blessing to your children as we tell about your love. Give us souls for our labor. Give us strength 
from above. The disciples had limited resources, but they surrendered their limited resources to the Lord. This little lad's lunch, only just five loaves and two fish, it wasn't much, was it? They said there were two miracles that day. One was the feeding of the multitudes, and the other one was that the little boy hadn't had his lunch already. Jesus said, bring it to me. It was a wanted gift. It was a willing gift. The little boy didn't hold back. If only we would place our inadequate resources into the hands of the Lord and give it to the Lord's disposal. If only we would give him the little that we have. The song says little is much when God is in it. That we would give our lives for the one who gave his life for us. The history of the church is filled with men and women who have given their little and God has multiplied it. We need to place the little that we have into his hands and he will do the rest. And I could give you illustration after illustration this morning of people that I know who have given their little and God has multiplied that and made it much. We think of Bill Woods. Bill Woods who served with us for over 60 years in the work of Acre. A young man who went from Belfast, that boy from Belfast who God saved at the age of 14. Who God took out to the mission field as a young missionary. He had no medical experience. And yet God challenged his heart and he said, Lord, I've never passed an exam in my life, but here's my life. Who after five years of medical school came out as the top student in the faculty. Who God took to India and other places to learn about ophthalmology and, and leprosy and took him back to Brazil. Just a humble young man. He said, Lord, here's my life. And how God has mightily used him as he gave his life to serve the Lord. We get to at that, couldn't we, over many people today who we know and have heard of. And God can take us, no matter how old we are, how young that we are, God can take our lives that are given over to him because God can do far more with it than we can. Our inadequate resources, God can take them as the disciples here, they took the inadequate resources, they trusted the Lord to do his mighty work. They maybe didn't have a lot of faith, but they had enough to obey his command. And they placed their inadequate resources in his hands. And then he performed the great miracle. I wonder today, do we really believe in the miracle working power of the Lord? Do we really believe today that God is able to save? Maybe people that we've been praying for for years, do you think that God is able to save them today? He is situations that we face that God is able to work in them he is Matthew 13 verse 58 says he did not many miracles because of their lack of faith God's not looking for ability he's looking for all of us to be available to him they were active in their service for the Lord the Lord Jesus told the people to sit down in the grass Jesus took up the bread and the fish and he gave thanks for it he gave that to the disciples and he gave uh, the disciples to the people. 
And it tells us here that they, they ate and were satisfied and they picked up 12 baskets of leftover. The miracle didn't take place when Jesus prayed, but when the disciples distributed the food. Just like Elisha and the widow's oil in 2 Kings 4, as they poured it out, it increased. If only when we take what Christ has blessed and give it to others in his name, we can stand back and we watch God at work. You know, today we need to start with what we have. We need to give to God what we have. Obey his commands. And as I said already, whenever we give to God our lives, we never lose. We always end up with far more blessings than we started. God can take mere human instruments empowered by his Holy Spirit and help us as we reach out to a world that is lost and in turn see them come to the Savior. Somebody said that a hungry word is feeding on empty substitutes. Will we deprive them of the bread of life? Is there somebody you know today who doesn't know the Lord? We all answer that question. I'm sure we can all say yes. Our neighbors, our family, our friends. Have we ever invited them to church? So often the gospel meetings in our churches are the smallest meetings quite often in our, in our church calendar, aren't they? I read the illustration not that long ago about a man who was a Christian and he lived beside other families where he lived in his development. And every Sunday he would come out and if the weather was good at all, the man was out washing his car across the road. The man came out with his suit on, the shirt and tie, and his Bible under his arm. And he used to see the man across the road washing his car, and he would talk. Look at him, never think of going to church. And this went on for years. Saw the man out washing his car on a Sunday morning, or cutting his grass on a Sunday morning. And one Sunday morning, he had enough of it. And he shouted at him, Would you never think of going to church? And the man shouted back, and he said, Would you never think of asking me? Isn't that so true? Maybe there's someone you could bring to church tonight and ask. I know it's not easy. Don't get me wrong. It's not easy. But maybe there's someone the Lord will lay in your heart today that you can invite tonight. Because next Sunday could be too late for them. One of my best friends, we got a... I was talking to him last Saturday or Sunday on the phone. Lives in Scotland. He's been my mentor, my Barnabas for nearly 40 years and he said I'm going in for a procedure on Tuesday and I said I'll phone your wife on Tuesday night and see how things go and he said to me oh don't be worrying about that you just enjoy the Kelly Havlin I'm sure I'll talk to you next weekend during the meeting on Tuesday night my phone started ringing and Karen took it out to answer it from his wife to tell us that he was critical just a mere ordinary procedure that they thought would take just a few minutes but things went wrong and we got a message at 6 o'clock the next morning to say that he had gone home to be with the Lord life is short isn't it I'd expected him to talk to him this weekend again I'd expected him to come over in a few weeks time to stay with us that won't be happening but he's better off today because he's at home with the Lord. None of us know what tomorrow holds, or for those around us who we rub shoulders with in our workplace, 
those around us that we talk to in the shop that we live beside in our families none of us know what are we doing for God today I think as you get older you start to realize these things maybe more and I'm 56 now so I'm very old and you think that someday I'm going to have to stand before the Lord you know whenever we're younger we're living for life and all the things that we want in life aren't we and so often we're building for time so often and we're not building for eternity and we have to leave it all behind whatever we've built in life and eternity is forever and I think so often of having to stand before the Lord someday and give an account of my life and what I should have done and what I didn't do what I haven't done but that shouldn't stop us today should it because from this morning we can say afresh Lord here's my life here's my inadequate resources it's not very much but Lord here's my life to live for you and to serve you with all of my heart today we are Christ's disciples let's step out in faith giving those inadequate resources our time, our talents, our tithes and as we take what Christ has blessed then we can stand back and watch God at work in our church in our mission let's be hands extended and truly feed the multitudes with the bread of life the compassion that he saw sorry the crowd he saw the compassion he felt the command that he gave the cooperation that he needed I spoke to a lady in closing just at a meeting there a missionary meeting I was speaking at just a number of weeks ago she said to me I wish it was 21 again this woman's away in her late 70s she said I wish it was 21 again she served the Lord all these years she said, because I would serve him better than I ever did before. May God help us to do that again this morning. I'm going to sing just in closing, please. I know time is gone. Number 900, uh, sorry, 698, 698 in our hymn books. O Jesus, I have promised to serve thee to the end. Be thou my, forever near me, my master and my friend. We'll just sing the first and the last verses, if that's okay. Just for sake of time, because time is marching on. First and last verses of 698, please. Mm -hmm.